0: Hey everybody, welcome back this week as we walk through the Word together. And as we walk out this truth, we discover that life is produced in us and also in other people. We are walking with one another, growing together to see the life of Christ continue to manifest and birth in us and then to see it spread outside of the walls of our houses and our church building. You know, like when I was a kid, I wanted to be a weatherman. Like, no joke. That's what I wanted to do. I was like, man, I'm going to be a weatherman. Well, first it was a balloon popper. That was it. That was it. So when I was like, (laughs) that's funny. Yeah. No, that that was it. That was it. I wanted to be a balloon popper. Then it was weatherman. And then then eventually music and, uh, you know, all this other stuff crept in. So tonight, um, thinking about flashing back to when we were kids, what was the thing that seemed so big to you? like that was the most important thing in your life when you were like six years old? It could be five, it could be seven, but like around that time frame, what were some of the things that were just really big in your world at that time? Y'all feel free to spit them at me. Birthday? Barney? Barney? (laughs) Yeah. Christmas? Christmas? Chris. what were some of the things like you were thinking about like you were like obsessing over like when you got home from school like what were the things you were thinking about cartoons (laughs) that's fun stuff here's anybody like want to like win the race at school like was anybody like really competitive and like are you obsessed over was being the fastest like all right true story so I got my glasses when I was like five. Put my glasses on, I'm like, oh, there's leaves on trees, you know? And so, uh, so I get my glasses as a, as a five-year-old, but like, I'm, in, I'm in like the kindergarten age, and there was this kid, Jake Campbell, and Jake Campbell was the fastest, and so my, it was my goal to beat Jake Campbell. And One day we were racing around the track, and like literally my obsession was to beat Jake Campbell at this race, and uh, I'm running around the track, and I look and I find that I'm ahead of him and I turn back around and run smack into a telephone pole and break my glasses, right? But I remember in my, <laughs> as a six-year-old, what was so big to me was winning that race and beating Jake Campbell. And as I got to uh, you know like high school and I got older, that thing seemed a lot less significant because then I had a driver's license, you know? And I could go places and I had my independence. And that once my independence and going places, you know, like once that became normal and I got married, have a home, have a family, all these other things became the bigger thing, the more, you know? The point of that is, is that there's things in our life that become so big and so consuming at, at one stage of life. And then once we mature and we move forward and we gain a little bit more perspective, we realize, man, that really wasn't that big of a thing. And we see what really matters. And my prayer for us tonight is that as we study in Scripture together, is that we get to a place where the thing that becomes so big to us is the same thing that's big to Jesus. The thing that's so important to us is the thing that matches his heart. And so tonight in the Word together, we're going to be studying a passage in Philippians 3 where really Paul says, man, this is the big thing. This is the thing that matters. This is the thing that, uh, that you really need to see that is significant in your life. So we're gonna talk about that in a minute. But we're, that, that big thing is citizenship. He starts using this word citizenship in Philippians 3.17 and I wanna just process that out a little bit with you on a practical level first. But second question for you, how would your life be different if you were a citizen of another country? Now, you don't have to answer that one out loud, but for most of us, uh, if not all of us, we are born as American citizens. Maybe a few of us weren't. But for those, for, for, for those that were born as American citizens, you, just, you grow up and you're an American. You don't really think about it a whole lot. At least I didn't until I left the country. But then I go to the Middle East and I meet a guy who... He, he, is, he, he is so desiring of citizenship, period, especially American citizenship, though. And, and I thought about how important citizenship is, really, because citizenship has to do with our rights and our responsibility, but there's a lot of people on this planet that don't feel like they have any rights, and so they want different citizenship. I think it was in 2019, there was 44.9 million immigrants living in the U.S. that were born somewhere else. that's a massive number. It's a massive number of people that value citizenship, that value rights and responsibilities of being an American. But as I think to my friend, I'm gonna call him Cal because it's easier to say than his actual name. I actually can't pronounce his name, so I made that one up. But um, we're gonna call him Cal. So I met Cal, legit dude, met him formed a friendship with Cal, um, it's a friendship, we, we, we WhatsApp text like once a week, so it's real. Um, but I met Cal and Cal lives in a refugee camp. Cal fled his country and in, in the midst of, of ISIS and he went to this refugee camp and he now lives in this refugee camp. He's been there for years now. And the dilemma that Cal is in is this, is he does not have proof of citizenship anywhere. And so he had most likely had to do some, like he he goes to this refugee camp, but if he leaves the refugee camp, he is going to have to go through a trial when he goes back to his home country that will then may or may not result in actual like passport and citizenship. And so when I met him, And I began to tell him, man, is there anything I can do to help you? Like thinking like, you know, can we send money? Can we do some things to help you out in your refugee camp? He's like, no, dude, like I want to go be your servant. Like, Can can you bring me back to America and just let me be there? Because he had no rights. And he began to tell me, he said, dude, I have nothing, man. All I have is the tent of fabric. (laughs) That was his words. He's pretty poetic. He said, all I have is the tent of fabric to my name in this refugee camp. I cannot own land I cannot work, I cannot do anything, I am stuck here. And the dude is legit like a ghost, like he doesn't have any identity and everywhere he goes to, to get it, he's going to most likely be arrested for it and he doesn't have any rights. And even if he does become a citizen of this country, the rights that he has as a citizen look far different than most of our rights. And so I tell you this story, not to shame you or make you, you know feel a certain way, but. and and really to marginalize anything either. But but I say that because, y'all, citizenship is this massive concept that is woven throughout the New Testament. And when Paul starts to teach and he begins to explain to these people who were Roman citizens that their citizenship is in heaven, he's making a massive statement. I looked this up because I, I didn't really know what it was like to be a Roman citizen, so uh, here's what it says. The rights of, a Roman, of Roman citizenship are extensive, including the right to vote, to hold office, to serve in the military, to purchase, possess, sell, and bequeath property, to enter into a legal contract, to have a fair trial, and to appeal to Caesar. Y'all, we've been checking out Philippians, and Philippians is part of the, or, or Philippi is a part of the, the Roman Empire. Paul that um, wrote this was a Roman citizen. And so as he begins to talk to these people, he's talking to people who understand what Roman citizenship is. And so I kind of went through that quickly, but in order for you to gain territory, to increase your ter- territory, to build your little kingdom for your family and to to own land, and to do work, and to have a voice to Caesar, right? You had to be a Roman citizen. And so when Paul begins to explain the contrast between earthly thinking and heavenly thinking, between earthly people and people that are enemies to the cross of Christ, and people that are citizens of heaven, he paints the picture with this image of citizenship. So tonight, what I want to do is I want to spend some time in Philippians 3.17. So if you want to go ahead and get there in the Word, we're going to walk through this together. So when we get to Philippians 3.17, you're going to notice some things. Paul is calling these people to action. How many of y'all have ever asked the question, what am I supposed to do with my life? Anybody there? Like, you come and you confess Jesus as Lord, and you are told, and, and rightly so, that you will now get to spend eternity in heaven, but what about this middle ground between the point of my confession and when I go to heaven? What, what about that gap? And that is the gap that Paul is filling in for us here in Philippians three seventeen. So brothers, join in imitating me. Keep your eyes on those who walk according to the example you have in us. That's a pretty big contrast that Paul paints, okay? It's it's pretty wide. Let me just break this down a little bit for you, okay? So as he begins, he says, imitate me. Then he uses citizenship. Citizenship is about your right and it is about your responsibility. It is about participation. So he is inviting the church of Philippi to participate in heaven. Okay, How do we participate in heaven? Well, first of all, it's not by doing this. It's, so, so he goes to verse 18, he says, for many of whom I have often told you and now tell you, even with tears, walk as enemies of the cross of Christ. What's an enemy of the cross? Their end is destruction. Their God is their belly. That means they are, they are worshiping their desire. So whatever they crave and they want, they go after and they worship. Kind of sounds like, the culture we are immersed in. And then he says this, they glory in their shame, okay? Y'all, how many times you get on social media and you're scrolling and all the people are bragging about is like the stupidity and the shame and just the filth in their life, right? They glory in their shame. And here's the last part, and this is the one is the kicker, with minds set on earthly things. So let's just think about that for a moment. All right, there are some parts in Scripture when it refers to the world, it's referring to the sinful aspects of the world. There's other times in Scripture when it talks about the world based on the context that it's talking about just the cosmos, just the globe, you know? The blue thing, yeah, that thing, right? Earth. But here, when it's talking about earthly things, I want to quickly take that to like sinful earthly things, but that's not what it's talking about. It's contrasting heavenly things. You see, people that are enemies of the cross of Christ do not have the hope of heaven. Because they don't have the hope of heaven, then what is the best they can do? It's build their earthly kingdom. So minds that are set on earthly things are minds that are set on just my career, building my little kingdom for my family, the the land that I can obtain, the stuff that I can do within myself, and it it is a, a world centered around me. That's the earthly things that mark these people that are enemies to the cross of Christ. But Paul says this, you are citizens, or we, our citizenship is in heaven. Our citizenship is in heaven. So now he's shifting your thinking, all right? Instead of being people that think about earthly things, our citizenship is in heaven, and what are we gonna think about? We are awaiting a savior, the Lord Jesus Christ, who will transform our lowly body to be like his glorious body by the power that enables him even to subject all things to himself. So this idea of citizenship then, again, it's a big idea. It's a big change in thinking. Rather than you be thinking about earthly things, your citizenship is in heaven. Now, when I just pause and I begin to think about the things that are big in my life right now, a lot of times it's earthly things that I begin to get anxious over, I begin to stress out about, that I, like, I really start to just you know either brag about, boast about, you know? And when I think about how I'm gonna invest my time, what I've really started to do based on this scripture is begin to evaluate the things that I'm doing. Because what Paul is inviting us into here is a shift of perspective of rather than you building your earthly kingdom and you thinking about earthly things and you dwelling on the success here on earth, begin to think about your citizenship in heaven and expanding heavenly kingdom territory. That's the mind shift he's making here. So as we think about that, he directs our attention to the Savior, the Lord, Jesus Christ. Again, this may seem simple, and it may seem like, okay, that's great. All right, so your citizenship is in heaven, and we're waiting on Jesus to come back. Still, what am I supposed to do right now? What does that mean for me? And I get that question. That's the question I've been asking as I've been studying this. But let's just go back to Jesus for a moment and begin to process Jesus's life. Jesus preached this, repent, repent, That means change your thinking, and the same thing that Paul is saying here, but change your thinking, turn away from that old way of thinking, that old way of life, for the kingdom of what? Of heaven is at hand. Heaven is upon us now, right? Come on. and So the kingdom of heaven is here. That's what Jesus is saying. So he is preaching a kingdom that is not of this world, and as he begins to preach this kingdom, guess what it does? It ruffles the feathers of the religious leaders. They don't like the fact that this guy is claiming to be king and the kingdom that he is inviting in. It becomes a threat to the government, right? It becomes a threat because, hang on a second, who, is, is it Jesus or is it Caesar, right? Like, who is, who, who is our allegiance to? And so what begins to happen in Jesus' life is people start to love him and then others start to hate him. The interesting thing is this, whenever Jesus dies, we realize that Jesus died for the sins of the world, that he died because he loves you and me and he is buying our right. Like we understand, many of us understand the theology behind the death of Jesus, but what was written and inscribed and perceived by the people that killed him was this. Listen to this. After they nailed him to the cross, the soldiers gambled for his clothes by throwing dice. Then they sat around and kept guard as he hung there. A sign was fastened above Jesus' head announcing this charge against him. It read, this is Jesus, the king of the Jews. Y'all, let's start putting this together. Your citizenship is in heaven. Your king got killed. But he didn't stay in the grave. And when he rose from the dead, he instated this kingdom that he preached about. It is now a reality. So when he said, turn and change your thinking, because the kingdom of heaven is here and now, that here and now happened as he rose from the dead. And what that means about his kingdom is that his kingdom is eternal just as he is. You see, the experience of the kingdom is all about the king. If you got a good king, you got a good kingdom. You got a bad king, you got a bad kingdom. If your king is victorious and battle and can run a military, then guess what? Your kingdom is going to be strong and secure. But if your king is weak, then your kingdom is going to be weak. You are citizens of heaven, and the reason you fix your thoughts on the return of King Jesus is because he's actually able to return, because he's coming back for you, because he is reigning right now, because he is winning right now. And so when we begin to think about this, this kingdom thinking and this kingdom concept, though, Here's the reality. The reality is that it was a threat to the local kingdoms as well. Like the fact that Jesus was king and then his followers started preaching the same thing. They thought, okay, we're going to kill Jesus. Jesus raises from the dead. Then a mass of people start to tell about Jesus and act like Jesus. And they said, well, we're going to kill them too. Most of the disciples, if not all of them, they were killed in the same way Jesus was. They were persecuted. They were murdered for their faith. Most of them crucified, some upside down. Why was it that brutal? It was because their kingdom was coming against the kingdom of the world. What I'm trying and hoping that you see is how, number one, how big and how massive this concept of citizenship in heaven is but two, the implications that it means for us. What's interesting is Paul taught his people through the word, he taught them to honor their their local governing authorities, to obey the law of the land. Like he didn't, yes, they they were rebels in a sense, but he didn't just tell them to be disruptive of, of legal things, it was honor Christ, but at the same time still give to Caesar what is Caesar's. And even when Paul was was arrested, okay, um, Paul goes and he's arrested arrested, and he he tells him, guys, listen, I'm a Roman citizen, okay? Like, give me like a proper trial because they didn't know that he was Roman because of what he was preaching. But the point is, is that there is this fact of the matter for us that we are Americans. But our identity ultimately is not American. It is citizen of heaven, There is a cultural way that we've learned how to live life as an American. And it looks different than the way of life that Jesus invites us to live in as citizens of heaven. And so many of us right now are trying to interject Jesus into our view of American citizenship rather than us stepping into his kingdom and letting him reinterpret all of that. And so what I wanna invite you to do tonight As we just read this word together, as we think about this and as we begin to pray, I invite you to begin to ask the Lord to show you what it means to be a citizen of heaven. What does it actually mean to be a citizen? So he has set up this kingdom, his kingdom is reigning, it is eternal, you are a citizen of heaven, your king is coming back. But I still haven't answered the question for you of what do we do in the meantime? So here's what we do in the meantime. You ever wonder why Jesus hasn't come back yet? Anybody ask that question? Cool, I've asked that question. All right, here is the reason, the best reason I can find in scripture is in Second Peter 3, verses nine through 10. The Lord is not slow to fulfill his promise, as some count slowness, but he is patient towards you, not wishing that any should perish, but that all should reach Repentance. But the day of the Lord will come like a thief, and then the heavens will pass away with a roar. The heavenly bodies will be burned up and dissolved, and the earth and the works that are done on it will be exposed. The reason the Lord has not come back yet, the reason we're still waiting on the Lord to return, is because he is being very, very patient with us. Extremely patient. God is being so patient with us because there are so many people that have yet to confess him as Lord that are not citizens of his kingdom. And he is waiting for heaven to continue to expand. Let me tell you something. The concept of heaven is just a mind-blowing thing, right? But there is not going to be necessarily an expansion of geographical space in heaven that, that we're invited to be a part of. But we are invited to expand a kingdom by adding people to it. And what we see here in the word is that while we are waiting, there is something that we must do. You are a citizen of heaven. That is your number one identity. You are a child of God. As a child of God, as a citizen of heaven, those of you that have confessed Christ as Lord, we are waiting on a Savior. And that Savior is really, really patient right now. And he's waiting on the church to fulfill what he sent them to do. So go back to Jesus being crucified. The king is crucified. He raises from the dead, and he gathers his disciples, and he says this. I want you to go into all the world and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe all I have commanded you. And then he says this. I'm going to be with you till the end of the age. The age ends, okay, (laughs) right? Jesus is going to come back, and he's going to gather his people, collect them. We are living in the season of making disciples of all nations. We are living in the season of patience where Jesus is waiting to come back and gather his citizens and take them to heaven. So, what does that mean our responsibility is now? It's that we're about what the king is about. It's about that we we go and that our focus is on making investment in heaven, not just earthly investments. And y'all, here's the thing that is really big, y'all. Listen, if, if what you were doing doesn't matter in heaven, it doesn't matter. Think about that. If it doesn't matter for the sake of eternity, it does not matter. Now start to reinterpret your feelings and your thoughts and what stresses you out and why you're just losing your mind. And begin to think, is this producing heavenly gains or not i love the fact that jesus doesn't leave us hanging though he gives us a very clear picture and he does this in matthew chapter 25 so let me just sum sum up the story for you okay jesus tells this parable this story and he tells us to his disciples to kind of paint a picture about what they're supposed to be doing in the meantime And so the story is of a master and a servant. So the master takes three of his servants and he gives them talents. Now this talent is not like an elephant balancing on his foot kind of thing, not that kind of talent. This talent is a measure of weight. It's like gold or copper or silver, something like that. And so what Jesus uh, tells, this is in the story, he says the master goes and he gives one servant five talents. He gives another servant two talents and another servant one talent. And then it says the master goes away for a long period of time. Okay? Now, this is painting the picture of Jesus going, sending out his disciples, the church forming, and then waiting on the return of Jesus. Okay? Here's what happens. Matthew 25, 19 says this. After a long time, the master of those servants came and settled accounts with them. And he who had received the five talents came forward, bringing five talents more, saying, Master, you delivered to me five talents here. I have made five talents more. His master said to him, Well done, good and faithful servant. You have been faithful over a little. I will set you over much. Enter into the joy of your master. All right. What did that person do, that servant do with the five? He turned it into ten. That is very, very important when you ask the question, what do I do with my life? What you do with your life is that when you come to know Jesus, he pours out things on you. He gives you this beautiful gift of grace. We each have a measure of faith. He pours out spiritual gifts into our life. He wired each one of you as his child very uniquely with different skill sets. And what we are to do with those things is take those things, that measure of weight that he gives us, and invest it so that there are heavenly gains. When you invest what the Lord has blessed you with, Okay, and I'm not just talking about monetary things here. I'm talking the person that he has created you to be, the way that he has filled you up, the gift the king has laid on your life, that gift of hospitality, okay, of leadership, of teaching, of administration. When you invest those things with your mindset set on the coming Jesus and the hope that you have in heaven, that is when you begin to enter into joy. Y'all, there's a lot of us in our life that are not joyful because we haven't invested what the king gave us. The way the rest of the story goes, the person that was given two turned it into four. Jesus uh, says the master says the same thing to him. Well done, good and faithful servant. Enter into the joy of your master. But the person that was given one didn't turn it into two. They took it and they buried it in the ground. They were afraid And what ends up happening is the master takes it away from that person who did nothing with it, gives it to the person that turned five into ten, right? And then to that servant, he says, get away from me. Seems really, really harsh. But the question I have that the Lord laid on my heart is, if Jesus were to come back right now and settle up the accounts, what would he find? Because the reality is citizenship is not only about the rights you have as a child of God, but it is about your responsibility too. And y'all, we have to take our responsibility seriously. We talked about working out our salvation last week. But the reality is this. Christianity is not this passive thing where we are given something for the Lord and then we bury it in the ground like doomsday preppers and we wait for him to come back. Like that's not what it's about. It is about active investments. It's about entrepreneurship where we take what the king gives us and we invest it with the hope that it produces kingdom returns. And I think the thing that that I really got convicted of in my life this week is just where my thoughts are at, man. Because... The reality is, is I'm a citizen of heaven. That means the king has given me something to invest. And while he's away, what in the world am I doing with that investment? And just to be real with you guys, there's been a lot of times in my life where I've been the center of my music. I've been the center of my songwriting. I've been the center of my family planning and the center of, of you know, the house that I'm going to have and the land that I'm going to have. And the reality is there's a lot of anxiety that comes with that, a lot of stress and pressure. And I I begin to realize like, Lord, like with whatever you give me in my life, like I I, I want it to last because what the word also says is there's going to come a time when all this stuff gets burned up. And the only thing that's invested in heaven, the treasures that are stored up in heaven is what will remain. So I just started asking the Lord to give me songs that heaven would sing. That's the ones I want to write. I want to write songs heaven's going to sing. Man, I I want to spend my time investing in things and relationships with people that's going to increase heavenly territory. I want to have relationships with people, discipleship relationships, that results in them growing and making more disciples that expands kingdom territory. And so when we bring this thing full circle and we come back so what Paul says, he says, listen, y'all, you are citizens in heaven and we wait, await a savior, the Lord Jesus Christ, who will transform your lowly body to be like his glorious body by the power that enables him even to subject all things to himself. So church, your citizenship is in heaven because your citizenship is in heaven. That means that right now you have a very important task that is beyond your citizenship here on earth. Use your citizenship for it, by all means. Use your American passport, like wear that thing out. But do it for heavenly gains, for heavenly rewards. So as you begin to process, what does it mean to be a citizen of heaven? First of all, know your king. It's amazing when I left the country and I uh, I started interacting with other people how aware they were of our president and our leadership structure here it's amazing especially those that wanted citizenship here they know all about it I know all about it know your king when you when you understand that your king is your father it changes the way you approach him when you understand that your king is good and I encourage you to read the, the rest of, of Matthew 25 there, but when you understand that your king is compared to also a shrewd businessman, <laughs> you know, who is about investing and multiplying what he sows, whose desire for you is to take what he's given you and not bury it but amplify it. When you note know that that's the heart of your king, it changes the way you approach him. When you understand that he's reigning and he's eternal and he's victorious. It also changes the way you view the enemy. You know the enemy's defeated. So again, as you think about citizenship, know the king. But the second thing is this, as you process citizenship, it's important that we know our rights. Y'all, you are sons and daughters of the king. That's what it means to be a citizen of heaven. It's your home, you live there, that's your territory, that's your responsibility to increase that. Like you're put on this planet for a little while to make sure heaven gets as, as big and as full of your friends and your neighbors as possible. Know your rights. You're gonna have everything that you need. Just look around at the birds, look around at the flowers. You're gonna have everything you need. And for whatever you see in your life that you don't have, you ask and you're right is that the Father's gonna pour out the Holy Spirit on you. Think about it. Another thing that's super important to citizenship is the military. Man, in the kingdom of heaven, you're given the armor of God to fight against anything, right? The helmet, the breastplate, the sword. You've got the whole armor there for you. Again, that's a part of your rights, a part of your citizenship in heaven. You've got shelter. You've got territory, you've got victory. So we know the king, we know our rights, but then the final thing, man, know your responsibility. Citizenship is about responsibility. It's about being active. It's about participating. It's about you recognizing this is mine now. You know, My friend actually just became an American citizen this past week. And one of the things that was important, that was very, very important when she became a citizen is she actually had to renounce her citizenship in her other country. She had to forego her Chinese citizenship to become an American citizen. She began to realize the weight of becoming a citizen. And she had to agree. She had to go and, 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 and you know, swear by these things that she was going to commit to as an American. And as someone who is a child of God and a citizen of heaven, there is a responsibility that you have. And very specifically, that responsibility is to take what the king has given you and invest that. Invest it. Here's a question you can ask yourself. What has the king given you that when multiplied will produce heavenly gains? That is your responsibility. Has he given you a voice? Has he given you an attention for detail? Are you somebody that just naturally makes friends? Use all of that for the kingdom. And very specifically, let me just tell you what makes kingdom expand The kingdom of heaven expands when people confess Jesus as Lord. We all have different gifts. Some of you have the gift of evangelism. Some of you do not. All have a responsibility to the gospel. You might have a, a, like, you might be, you know, somebody who's like very administrative, but you are to administrate the gospel. You might be somebody who is very, very hospitable but you were to create a space where people can receive the gospel. It is all about the gospel. The win is people hearing and receiving the gospel. And y'all, there's one of the things that I've really gotten convicted of, but here's something we gotta stop doing. We gotta stop with this whole subliminal Christianity mess. What I mean by that is this a subliminal message, like back in the old days, they would have like, like when the you know the film was just a slide after a slide after a slide, they would throw something in there that said popcorn. In the middle of a movie and make you want to go get popcorn. But they wouldn't just very actively just in your face say, Hey, all right, stop the movie, let's go get popcorn. It was subliminal. There was this thing that's crept into the church where we don't want to offend people, so we subliminally try to be a Christian. Like we try to just ease into life and just be like, I'm gonna like, yeah, I'm, I mean, I'm gonna be nice, I'm gonna smile, and maybe they'll know you. G- no, we don't see that in the New Testament. We see very explicit Christianity. If you have, if you open your home to people, they need to know when they come into your home that it is a home because Jesus is a part of it. They need to see on your doorpost, love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength, right? If if you have the gift of leadership, that's not just meant for you to grow a business and, and build your personal kingdom. Y'all, it's, it's for you to lead people on their way to heaven. If you got the gift of prophecy, man. The gift of service helps. All of these things are for the gospel. So what is it that the Lord has given you? Right? That when you begin to invest that, it produces heavenly gains. The measure of success is going to look different. There's a reason Jesus says blessed are the poor. It's because the metrics get flipped upside down in the kingdom. It's the reason he says, blessed are the meek, blessed are the peacemakers. These things that seem so insignificant to your personal kingdom, but are massive to his. You think, man, what good business person is going to be meek? Like, what good business person is, is going to be somebody that's poor? Like, how are you going to be successful at your kingdom if you don't have any money, Right? But what he's talking about are these characteristics of people that have inherited his kingdom. Y'all, we have this beautiful hope of citizenship in heaven. But again, I'm gonna ask you, what are you doing with your life? If it doesn't matter in heaven, it doesn't matter. If it doesn't matter for the sake of eternities, if it doesn't help people connect to Jesus, then what are we doing? Just to let you guys know, it's been prophesied several times over like this generation and this people that like God is stirring revival in our city. And I believe it. I, b- I believe that God is stirring this wind of revival in Knoxville. And I believe that Midtown is a part of that. But I believe the fuel behind it is going to be when we step in to these gifts that the Lord has given us and we throw caution to the wind. And the only thing we go after is the stuff that matters in heaven. One of the most influential books I've read outside of the Bible was a book called The One Thing You Can't Do in Heaven. It says, man, heavens, we're going to get to do a lot of awesome things in heaven, but you can't share the gospel with a lost person there. You can't share Jesus with lost people once you're there. We are in a season of sharing our faith with people, and we have to do that. And it's not just about a certain group of people doing. It's about all Christ followers giving all that they have to see the gospel advance, to see the kingdom being built, to see heaven expand. You're citizens of heaven. So tonight as we close, what is bigger to you? What's the thing that's most important to you in your life right now? And I just ask that you spend some time in prayer right now and you give that to the Lord, Father. Would you move in our hearts right now, God? What is the big thing? And Lord, if it's not something that you think is significant, if it, if it is not something, God that matters to you and matters for eternity and matters in the eyes of heaven, And Father, would you stir conviction in our souls right now that we might lay that down? Now, the next thing. As I begin to talk about the thing that the Lord has given you, some of you have clarity and you're like, yes, that's it. I've got to do this now. But there might be some of you where right now you're like, you know, I really don't know what that is. I really don't know, like, okay, I get it. I'm a child of God, but like, I don't know what my specific like significance is. There's times in our life where we just need to go to our parents have a conversation and our parents need to just tell us who we are and remind us so I invite you to go to Father right now and just ask the Lord Father would you reveal to me the measure that you've given to me that you'd like to see me invest Father would you remind me of who I am right now God, we thank you for your word. We thank you that you are the reigning king. And Lord, as you call us into action, as you call us not to be passive Christians, but to be very active, as you have given us a clear mission, Lord, as you call us citizens of heaven, and now as we await our savior, God, when you come back, will you find, will you find these people Having invested what you gave them. God, would you find me showing you how I made one thing, two things? I made four things, eight things. Father, would, would would I be able to come and settle this account showing that things multiplied? Father, would you multiply our efforts in this room, God? In the same way that you increase the disciples. Uh, faith, God, with the with the bread and the fish, Father, and you fed thousands of people in one setting. God, would you multiply what you've given us? Lord, we surrender it to you to be multiplied. Our life to you, we subject ourselves to you to be multiplied. God, we believe revival is stirring in our city, and I believe it's going to be through the people that recognize. There's significance in what you gave them so much so that they don't hide it, but they multiply. God, may we not hide what you've given. May we not hide the grace and the love and bury it in the ground, but may we not only show it, but may we multiply it, Father. It's in the name of Jesus we pray. So to come full circle in this, we await our savior, that is Jesus Christ. And so, if you will, stand with me, and let's worship the king. Let's worship the coming king. Let's fix our eyes, and let's claim our citizenship in heaven. Let's step into the reality that heaven is upon us now, that it is here and now, that we can actually exist in that now. Let's step in, all right? Let's give him praise. Let's get fired up. Super excited sounds of heaven in this room right now. So, Father, tell us what heaven sounds like. Show us, God. Show us. Show us. Stir hearts. Encourage hearts. We're all citizens. Choose Gentiles alike. We're all citizens. We're brothers. Father, thank you. Thank you, Father.